Welcome to Grand Central Radio, the grandparents' community platform. I'm your host, Jerry Cole. This is a talk, listen, and act show for grandparents and future grandparents everywhere. My adult child, that child's spouse and in-laws, and my two young grandchildren give me lots of questions and concerns. Like you, I want to be as effective for my grandkids and their parents as possible. To achieve these goals, I also want to stay physically and mentally fit and have fun. We can help each other by sharing our challenges and ideas about grandparenting and our lives as grandparents. You can replay our shows, find materials curated especially for grandparents, and contact me, Jerry Cole, on our secure website, GrandCentralRadio.com. Our listeners are concerned about gun violence in schools and other public places all over this country. We want to learn about the role guns play in our grandchildren's lives and how to keep them, the rest of our families, and ourselves safe. Our show topic today is Grandchildren, Guns, and Gun Violence. And our special guest is Kellen Vorback, an NRA member and certified range safety officer, gun owner, competitive and recreational shooter, former trustee of a rifle and pistol club, and counselor on home security and safety. You'll hear on this podcast Kellen's personal views on this topic. Those views do not constitute the views of his employer or risk management, insurance, legal, medical, psychological, or other advice by him, me, or Grand Central Radio. We encourage all listeners to consult with their own advisors about each listener's and his or her family's particular circumstances before adopting any security, safety, or other strategy. Kellen, thank you for joining us on Grand Central Radio. Jerry, thank you so much for having me. I so appreciate being on the show. And uh, the one thing I do want to add to your disclaimer, I don't speak for the NRA other than someone who has NRA training, but I'm not an official uh, representative. Essentially, all I have is public information that they would provide. Thank you very much for that clarification, Kellen. I appreciate that. Now, Kellen, the experiences of families of gun owners probably are as varied as the number of those families. What is the history of gun ownership in your family? When did your ancestors first have guns in their homes? Well, you know, it's it's kind of hard to tell because my uh, my dad grew up in Jamaica, Queens, and my mom grew up in Brooklyn. And I believe my father's first experience with firearms was at Xavier High School when he was doing military training uh, because we were in the run-up to World War II. So he actually had some training in high school. In high school and in college, yes. He went to uh, Holy Cross. And and they he was in then what, in his 17s or 18-year-old stage of his life? Yeah, I, I, I would imagine that they would have started that, uh, uh, you know, sophomore year in high school maybe. That's what, a 15-year-old? Now, in the case uh, of that kind of training, did your father have guns in his home? Uh, I don't believe that he never spoke about guns in the home. Okay. And as far as you know, you're not aware of any of your other family members that had gun training or uh, an experience of, of home ownership of guns? Well, you know, I was the youngest of nine children. Mm-hmm. So we had a gun in our home when I was growing up, and it was the gun that my father gave to my older brothers for when they were in Boy Scouts. Well, that's interesting. When, when was it that Boy Scouts were giving training in gun safety and gun use? I think for the last hundred years or so. Is that right? 
They're still doing it now. And uh, so your older brother is still an avid gun user and owner? Absolutely. Well, where where does he train or where did he, other than in the Boy Scouts, where has he had his training and how does he protect uh, the children in his home? Well, my brother, you know, neither my brother nor I have children. Uh, he and I both went to school down south and you know, in the southern part of the United States, it's not uncommon for kids to have guns. Is that when you became familiar with gun usage? Who introduced you to gun usage? Was it from your father and your older brother? Uh, it was my older brother. We grew up in a big house, uh, so I was probably 10 years old, and we had a little shooting range set up in the basement. That's You must have had a very large basement for a shooting range. Well, as I say, it was a good-sized house, and uh, you know, my mom was happy because she knew where we were. <laughs> okay. She could keep your eye on her, and she could keep your ear on you, too, I can imagine, right? <laughs> Absolutely. And how did your use or did your use of guns change over time as you became an adult? Well, uh, that's, a, that's a great question. Uh, certainly, uh, it was less supervised. When I went away to college, of course, then I was, was able to go to the gun range on my own. But since then, you know, when I graduated from college, I joined a gun club and was an active participant, and I enjoyed competitive shooting. Okay, well now, is that why gun use and ownership is important to you? Is it primarily for sport? I think it's different for, for you know, every different person. To me, I look at my guns as athletic equipment. Uh, certainly, uh, everyone has a different home security situation, and uh, I would never advise that people talk about that in public, but primarily... I'm looking at my guns as sporting equipment. Now, having had guns in your life for a good part of your life, what safety tips do you suggest for grandparents in particular who may have a gun in their home? Grandparents should always keep the gun out of reach of children. And out of reach of children means different things based on the age of the child. If your grandchild is four or five years old, up on a shelf in a closet might be a safe place. If your grandchild's nine years old, up on a shelf in a closet is not safe because a nine-year-old can get into anything. There are a variety of protective systems available, anything from a trigger lock, uh, which uh, virtually any police department will give you for free, to uh, you know a gun safe. There are systems that involve palm reader or a fingerprint reader for people who want very quick access to a firearm. I would say for any different situation, there's a different protective system, uh, but you have to have some kind of a protective system. Are you saying generally some safety and, and security systems to protect guns in the home can be available either for free or at relatively low cost? Trigger locks are available for free. If you walked into any police department and said, I want to get a trigger lock, they would hand it to you. And, and approximately, what would the other devices that you mentioned cost? I'm going to use the word California gun cabinet. California has some pretty uh, strict safety standards. And so there is a qualifier as what is a gun cabinet in the state of California. And that has a three-point locking system. It's not as heavy duty as a safe. But you could get a nice California gun locker for $150. All right. Well, that certainly sounds within the range of most grandparents who would have guns in their home or, or know members of their family that do. What do you suggest for a grandparent who uses a gun for recreation or security or 
knows that his children, his or her children, have guns in their home, uh, what would you suggest for that grandparent to develop his or her grandchild's skills and safety habits about gun use and ownership? If it's the children, uh, there's a very simple set of rules uh, that the NRA has developed You know, for when you find a gun. Stop, don't touch, run away, tell an adult. Mm-hmm. It is extremely rare for guns to go off when no one is touching them. On the other hand, playing with a gun is the number one cause of accidental firearm death. So if a child observes a gun in their environment, very easy to remember, stop. Before anything else, stop. Don't touch. Now, the reason that run away is part of it is because there's a very high percentage of the child's friend was the one who was touching the gun. Mm-hmm. So you run away is if your friend won't follow the instructions of stop, don't touch. As long as you run away, your child is safe. Uh, I, I do want to put this out there before we go any further, that while the incidence of accidental firearm death is extremely rare, one death is too many. And if it's your child or grandchild, it's as devastating as anything you can imagine. So stop, don't touch, run away, tell an adult. It's relatively easy for children to remember. I am not musically inclined, so I can't do the jingle, but it comes with a very nice jingle so that children can remember it easily. If a child is old enough that you can't hide the gun or guns away in a place that they're not ever going to find it, such as for a four-year-old, for example. Say if the child is nine or 10 or even older in teenage years, what do you think is the best course to show the child the gun or guns and let the child know that they're in the home and have a long conversation or broken up into several short conversations with the child about why you have a gun in the home and what you expect that child to do and not do about the guns? Or do you suggest another reproach to protect the children from those guns? Well, that's a remarkably perceptive question because taking away the mystique does a lot to, 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 to remove the curiosity. Uh, so it is important to talk to children, particularly if you know the children can get into anything, uh, to have those conversations so that at least it's familiar and it's not some you know object of mystery that's going to be examined. So I, I think you're absolutely right on the first count. And then, of course, we all know who've had experience with children and grandchildren, and even those who are not part of our biological family, all you need to do to assure that they'll do something is to tell them not to do it. Uh, do you have any suggestions? Perhaps uh, the Boy Scouts have some ideas in this regard, uh, how you can talk to a child or a grandchild uh, about the guns in the home and encourage them to be safe about them and not be tempted to test you. Certainly, it's important to uh, discuss the difference between fantasy and reality. You know, in the movies, people get shot and everyone in the movies, the person's always shot in the, you know, shot in the arm and they're fine afterwards by the end of the show. And so to explain that, you know, once the gun is fired, you can't take it back, that there's, that there's a great finality to that. So, 
you know, I think that that's an important part of the conversation. Thank you. That's very, very helpful. Now, I know we're all concerned about gun violence in schools and other public places, especially in the last year or so. There's been, seems to have been an increase in it. At least that's our perception from the news reporting. What do you suggest that grandparents can say to their grandchildren of various ages to ease their anxiety about gun violence in public places and to develop their vigilance and alertness to help keep them out of danger and prepare themselves to protect themselves and others when threatened by gun violence? You know, I'm glad that you've used the word perception because I think that when we're dealing with fear, whether the fear is you know, a rational fear or not, uh, if we you know, add some objectivity to it, knowing that I was going to be on, I did a little bit of study before the show. CNN did, uh, did a piece called 10 Years of School Shootings. And over the course of 10 years, the average number of children killed in school shootings was about 35 children a year. Again, one death is too many, but if you're trying to have a reasoned conversation with a child as to whether or not they should be terrified to go to school, 35 deaths per year, you know, the odds that, that your child is going to ever be in a school where there is a shooting are extremely low. Certainly in any public situation, there is a level of situational awareness uh, that one should have. And the same rules that would apply to protecting yourself from the danger of something like fire would apply to being in any public place. Know where the exits are. And the nearest exit isn't always the exit that you entered. Uh, you know, there's a remarkable tendency for people in panic situations that are in a public place to try to all leave through the main entrance where they came in. And then, of course, the door is mobbed and people get trampled and can't get out. So to always be aware of where the nearest exit is. And that's just a general part of being aware when you're in a public place, whether it's a fire, which is the more likely uh, scenario, or whether it's some crazy or evil person uh, who intends violence. Now, if a child is in or a teenager is in, or even a college student is in a public place, what should they look out for as a vigilance and alertness piece of this discussion to help them be prepared to take action if they need to, to get out of that area or to alert their friends that are with them to get out of that area? What are the signs that they could look for that there's something bad about to happen and perhaps they should consider leaving? I would have a really tough time if I was counseling a young person, trying to tell them how to predict the future. I don't know that there's any way that I can, can say, oh, well, gee, this is what a bad guy looks like. When I lived in Jersey City, I was on Neighborhood Watch. Uh, I have a lot of experience. And the indicators that someone's up to no good, the way they're dressed or the color of their skin or any other thing like that, the indicators that someone is up to no good, to me, is the guy looking around like a predator. And I don't know any way to explain that to a child. Is there a way to tell from, for example, the type of bag that someone is carrying that there's a chance that that might contain something that's not healthy? I don't know that there's, that, that there's a way to do that. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, you know, I really don't. If someone's wearing a winter coat in summertime, uh, that might be a warning sign, but it may also be someone who just has a, a medical condition where they suffer from chills. I don't know. So, I, you know, I think those things, when we try to paint too fine a point on it, I think it can be counterproductive because then we're, we're looking for threats everywhere. We look at just the number of homicides with, with a gun in the course of a year. I want to put this in, in perspective. We're in a country with 350 million people. And according to the FBI crime statistics, there are about 14,000 firearms deaths a year, which in the grand scheme of things, you know, I don't think that it's healthy to have children looking around trying to figure out who's a perpetrator. Right. That's not a world that I think any of us want to live in. Well, no. And, and it's just, I, I think it's beyond the, the, beyond the point of, of a rational fear for a child. We have to let, at some point, let kids be kids. But the same rules that apply to any other type of emergency know where the nearest exit is. And every family should always have a place where if they get separated, they can all check into the same place. Oh, that's excellent. That used to be our... Our uh, theme park in South Florida rule. Well, absolutely. So, so Jerry, absolutely. It's the same. It's the same rules of situational awareness that you would have if there was a natural disaster, if there's a hurricane, if someone pulls the fire alarm. Know where the exits are. Know how to get in touch with your family. Now, this is a similar question, but when grandparents spend a lot of time with their children they uh, and their grandchildren especially, uh, they can develop a, a sense of patterns, a sense of something's different today, a sense of uh, maybe their grandchild is behaving differently than other grandchildren that they see the grandchildren socializing with. What signs do you believe can alert grandparents that their grandchildren or other family members may be thinking about using guns in a manner that's dangerous to themselves and others? That's an excellent question because grandparents have adult children. And compared to the 35 school shooting deaths, we're looking at nearly 24,000 suicides by a firearm. And acting differently, behaving differently. That I think is something that we can engage. And I would think any type of a personality change, you know, again, I'm not a psychologist. I don't know how to deal with that necessarily, but it certainly is a big issue. Also, any signs of drug or alcohol use are very bad, uh, whether there's a firearm involved or not you know, a fairly high percentage of the accidental deaths with, with firearms are related to drug and alcohol use. So yeah, those, those type of indicators, those are things to worry about. Loss of a job, loss of a, a spouse, what always pops into our minds because it's, you know, so tragic and devastating is the young person who's involved with the suicide, the one that's more common than any el anything else, is an unmarried male at around 35 to 45 years of age who uh, you know, lost their job. So life events, if you're looking at, at, at situations where you may want to talk to your adult children about how they're doing, uh, you know, negative life events, 
yeah, that's a good time to, 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 to think about suicide intervention, whether it's suicide with, with a firearm or otherwise. What about anger against other members of the family and perhaps friends and boy, boyfriend, girlfriend situations? Can a grandparent be helpful there? Yeah, I, I think a grandparent can always be helpful. There are 14,000 murders a year. I don't know that that most of those or even a significant percentage of them are crime of passion, boyfriend, girlfriend. There are a lot of things that can go wrong with boyfriend, girlfriend. Uh, I don't know that it's statistically significant, uh, you know, to, to think about firearm in that situation. Kellen, we, you know, there's so much to cover in such a short time. We obviously can't get to all of the issues related to gun violence and guns and grandchildren on this episode of the podcast. What resources do you suggest for education and training about gun safety and the other issues that you discussed with us today? Well, for grandchildren especially, uh, the NRA has the Eddie Eagle program. That's Eddie, E-D-D-I-E, Eagle. Uh, and that provides resources for adults to talk to grandchildren or children. And it has, it has videos for the children to watch. They've got a little cartoon character. The NRA has a ton of information on firearms safety. So I think those would be the kinds of, of things that I would look out for. So I do want to mention, in addition to stop, don't touch, run away, tell an adult, I want to mention the four rules of firearm safety, which one would train to anyone else who is dealing with a firearm, uh, because these cover most of the potential causes of an accidental shooting. The first rule is to treat all guns as if they're loaded, even if they're not. A typical rule of etiquette at a gun club is that if I'm going to hand a gun to another person, I open it up and show them that there's no round in the chamber. So treat all guns as if they're loaded, even if you know they're not. Never allow the gun to point at anything that you're not willing to lose forever. Keep your finger off the trigger until you're ready to fire and to be sure of your target and what's beyond the target. Uh, there are roughly 425 firearms accidents that result in death each year. One is too many. So if we follow the rules, we'll be a lot better off. Well, that, that has been very, very helpful practical advice, Kellen, and I really appreciate your taking the time to do that. Our other grandparent guests on this episode uh, are now available to ask Kellen your questions and share your ideas about grandchildren, guns, and gun violence. First, Tom in New England. Hello, Jerry. Hello, Kellen. Uh, it's a pleasure to be on the show. Hi, Tom. Um, you, you mentioned uh, one rule that I learned, and I'll, if I may add it to yours, is when I hand a gun to somebody, I don't. I put it down, let them pick it up, because that way there's no question about whose hand was on the gun if, God forbid, it did go off accidentally. Well, that's a good one. That's a good one. I, will, I, I would say that that's a fine practice to engage in. Uh, I have... Um, I acquired step-grandchildren about 20 years ago, uh, and I do keep a gun in the house, and certainly uh, the idea that one of them might have gotten a hold of it and injured themselves or somebody was a nightmare. Uh, so I made sure they were in a safe, and 
I, I think you've covered, frankly, uh, j- just about all the advice uh, that uh, I could ask for. The uh, We none of us have a crystal ball, and there's no way to predict the future. But um, you talked about being safe in all situations, not just ones involving guns, but fire, uh, flood, accidental uh, discharge of a fire suppression system. Um, you talked about thinking of guns as athletic equipment. I think of mine as um, emergency equipment. I have smoke alarms in the house. We have three fire extinguishers. We've got flashlights. We've got first aid kits, and we have a gun. There's uh, there's different emergencies, and that's my way of addressing this. Well, and that's a point well taken, and I, I, I think uh, a great one to expound on a little bit is that everyone has a different situation. Uh, I am uh, very fortunate to live in a place where the level of crime is extremely low and my home is visible to my neighbor's houses. But to someone who lives in an urban area where there is crime or lives in a rural area where the house isn't visible to the neighbor's homes, I can certainly understand using a firearm as a means of home protection. And I think that's, there's a great deal of validity to that, Tom. Thank you. Tom, why don't you tell us a little bit about how you came to use guns yourself and how your family uses guns. And aside from the safety features, uh, what are some of the ways that guns have become important to you? Well, I was living in an urban environment. I'm in a more suburban area now. There was a lot of crime. There were hot burglaries, home invasions, and I wasn't, uh, I came up, I had never owned a gun. No one in my family, my parents hadn't, my grandparents hadn't. Um, there was an extension course from one of these lifelong learning type uh, centers about, say, firearms handling and shooting, and I took it and went to a range. We had lectures. We practiced uh, this was about three different three nights weekly, and then a coworker was selling a gun that had belonged to his deceased father, and offered it to me, and I bought it. And the next thing I did was I bought a a safe to keep it in so that it wasn't accessible to a burglar. And uh, I, when we moved here about 20 years ago, as I said, I'm in a more suburban area. I joined a, uh, I joined a rod and gun club so that I could go out and practice uh, with various things. My daughter, our daughter, knew that I kept a gun in the house. Uh, she worked as a civilian on an Air Force base, still does, and... Um, saw people with sidearms all over, and I give her credit for it. Uh, she decided to go to range herself and take some training, find out what this was about. And the only question that she had for me with the, as far as the grandchildren that were appearing was one, did I keep the firearm secured? And two, did I go to the range and practice with it? Those were her concerns. And I got a lot of respect for her. She's uh, was uh, I think very concerned about this, but has has taken what I consider to be a more realistic view. And uh, I still go to the range. I still keep up with my skills, and uh, I'm glad to say I've never had to 
use this to defend my home, but it's a, it's available if I do. Based on what Tom, what you've said, and what Kellen has said about uh, competitive shooting and recreational shooting and gun clubs and so forth, at what age do you typically find uh, that children are introduced to competitive and recreational shooting, you know, whether it be for hunting or for range shooting? Why don't we start with Kellen? Why don't you tell me what your experience is, has been as being a member of the NRA, what you've seen in terms of the ages at which children are introduced to uh, competitive shooting or hunting? I would certainly say that Boy Scouts is a place where a lot of kids at around the age of 10, 10 or 11, would start shooting uh, and at least have some safety training. It surprised me because I was a kid from the Northeast and I went to college down South and a lot of the guys that I met, they got their first 22 caliber rifle. It was a typical gift for a five-year-old boy. Now, it wasn't something that they got to keep in their room. It was something that went in the gun case with daddy's guns and the little 22 rifle would fire one shot. You can only put one bullet in it at a time. And that would be something that the father in the rural area would do as a father-son activity. I'm not saying that's appropriate for every situation. It raised my eyebrows, but certainly I met a lot of very good and admirable and well-disciplined young people. And they developed a respect for the gun having been introduced to it. Absolutely. And it was no mystery. It wasn't something where they'd spend, uh, oh, mom and dad are out of the house. Let's, let's pick the lock on the gun safe because it was something that they had access to when they were with their parents. Right. And do you think it was helpful that the parents in that situation, especially the, the dad and his children, maybe did it with some of the girls too, not only with the boys, uh, taught the children that this is why we have a gun. We use it for shooting. We use it for recreational shooting. And uh, that's that's where we use it. And that's the only place we use it, something like that. It helps with the question of you know what's fantasy and what's reality. Because if there's a total disconnect, then it's all fantasy. Different parents and different cultures uh, and the American South, certainly the American South 40 or 50 years ago is different from what it is today. That was something that was common at the time. Uh, Tom, uh, what has been your experience and what is your thinking about introducing your grandchildren to the use of guns? I have not because uh, my daughter would not have approved and... Uh, I wouldn't go against her wishes, even though they're adults now. We've ne- we've never talked about it. Uh, the only thing that I was concerned about was making sure that they were safe uh, from having an accident. She uses it for primarily for security. I take it is that correct? As far as I know, she doesn't actually have a gun. She went to a range, rented one, got some training. But I don't believe she keeps one in the house. Okay, so that's not a, a sport that she's necessarily introducing to her children or her grandchildren. Not at all. Well, now, Robert, from Santa Rosa, California, I'd like you to join us, please, and let us know what your thoughts are uh, about guns and gun violence with grandchildren and uh, your questions that you might have for Kellen. First of all, I'm not a gun owner. Obviously, you raised some very interesting points of view, which has really made me think. My... Grandkids are around. My son-in-law is a CHP officer. So I know that he covers that area as far as the training. 
Um, but as far as a non-gun owner, I just don't, I don't have really any thoughts around it. I mean, I think everybody's got to choose their viewpoints about how, you know, do they want to have a weapon or not have a weapon? What is your, what is your son's experience, uh, if you've discussed it with him? With my son-in-law? Your son-in-law, I'm sorry. Because he's a police officer, obviously, I really haven't discussed it because I just know that he handles that. I mean, he's, he keeps his guns in a safe. He has guns. It was just something I've just never discussed with him. Right. He has children? Yes. Yes. That's where my grandkids are. Exactly. And aside from keeping the son guns in the safe in his home, uh, do you know or have you been around uh, him when he has had conversations with his children about guns to know what he says to them? have not. My daughter, his wife, uh, is a family uh, guidance counselor and, and been trained in those areas. So, I mean, I'm sure that she's had conversations with my grandkids. Well, if none of you have any additional questions for or ideas for Kellen to discuss, I'd like just like to wrap up briefly. I think some of the takeaways uh, that we have from our discussion today uh, are that different people, as we suspected, different people use guns and have home secured guns for different purposes, and they introduce uh, their grandchildren to guns and gun usage if at all, at different times and for different purposes and different ways. But the most important takeaway, of course, is that there are ways that you can secure those guns in your home that are either free or very inexpensive. And the NRA and other resources are available to help grandparents and parents and other interested adults in teaching their own grandchildren and preparing themselves to be safe. The NRA stop, don't touch, run away, tell an adult rule for kids. There are a series of additional, more specific rules that the NRA prescribes. And of course, if you are in a public place, the best advice I think anyone can give any human being is to protect themselves by staying alert and being aware of their surroundings whether it's to protect themselves from someone using a gun inappropriately or from any other kind of natural or unnatural disaster, such as a fire, and that is know where the closest exits are and find out where your family is, know where your family is at all times and how you can take care to get in touch with them quickly and effectively to protect them and yourselves. I'd like to thank our special guest, Certified Range Safety Officer Kellen Vorbach and all of our grandparent callers and listeners. Watch for our announcements of our next Grand Central Radio Show. Our podcasts are posted to iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Blueberry, iHeart, TuneIn, Google Podcasts, YouTube, and our secure website, grandcentralradio.com. Until then, please contact me, Jerry Cole. Stay well, safe, and secure, and happy grandparenting!